Hey everybody, Moscow here. And quickly, before we start the Sour Hour today, I wanted to let you know that our longtime sponsor and good friend, Dr. Lambic, SourBeerBlog.com's own Dr. Lambic, is launching the Mellow Mink Brewing Company. That's right, all these fantastic beers you've been hearing about on the show will be now available to you at MellowMink.com. They have their Founders Club going. 200 bucks gets you, get ready, eight bottles of aged and blended sour beer that will not be released to the public. Access to all of their other limited sour and farmhouse ale releases before they go on sale to the general public. A pair of custom beer tasting glasses, a club-only hooded sweatshirt, a custom club growler, a membership card, and a challenge coin. Please support those who support the show and get a lot of awesome stuff in return. His homebrew is fantastic, and his production beer can only be better. Check out SourBeerBlog.com. As always, he's got an article up there about the opening of the brewery. And once again, their website is MellowMink.com. That's MellowMink.com. And now, here's the Sour Hour. The Sour Hour is meant for the serious brewer. The Sour Hour may contain some seriously funkified content. The Sour Hour is not for the faint of heart. So exercise some damn discretion, would you please? Sheesh. And now, here's the Sour Hour with Jay Goodwin. Another episode of the Sour. We're still doing this show, I guess. I guess. <laughs> Back on the Brewing Network, I'm your host Jay. Here in the downtown Concord Brewing Network studios, headquarters, in fact, world headquarters mm-hmm. of the Brewing Network in downtown Concord. Mm-hmm. Here with Scott. Hey Scott, and he slept in between shows now, right? I am refreshed and ready to go. Yeah, oh absolutely. yeah, been army caught in the office here. Speaking of not sleeping, our guest Michael Tonsmeyer. Author, American Sour Beers. He he got up pretty early this morning too. Is that right? Yeah, DC time, uh, five a.m. That's pretty good. So what is that? I'm not gonna do that. Two, two, a, two a.m. <laughs> West Coast time. That's pretty good. Wow. That's great. Yeah. I'm just glad I didn't have to wait as long to get on my third third sour hours. I did my second. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> so we're all here, such as we are, and you can be here too by many means. 888-401-BEER. Join us in the chat on any of our shows. And, you know, if you guys do want to interact, and, you know, we'd love it if you if you do, call, join the chat. That's that's the best when we have the, the live interaction. Um, follow the Brewing Network on social media. Follow the Rare Barrel on social media, and you'll get those, uh, those updates when we're going to have a show that day. If you're more of like that kind of laid-back, passive-type person, you can email Scott. Scott at thebrewingnetwork.com. That's me. Jay. Jay at thebrewingnetwork.com. J-A-Y. By the way, that's not Scott. Scott at thebrewingnetwork.com or <laughs> J-J at thebrewingnetwork.com, although we will start to get those emails, well, as I, we always do. Anytime we mention an alternative way of spelling or doing the email. Alt names. We, alt names. We will inevitably get an email where those alt names have been CC'd on that email. <laughs> <laughs> Which we enjoy. I enjoy it, yeah. You can watch us. TheBrewingNetwork.com slash TV. Hello. Hi, everybody. Also, listen live. Brewing Network app. Search BN Mobile on 
your search bars. I don't know. <laughs> right? Your Yahoo search bar. Don't yeah. just like say it when you're walking down the street. I think you, you got to type it in somewhere. You could ask Jeeves. Hi, Jeeves. Or uh, you can ask your Amazon Echo, which I got over the weekend. You got it? I did. Really? Yeah, it's a little weird because you know the thing is called Alexa, and yeah, I mean, for, I'm not going to go into it, but it's, it's a little <laughs> odd. But you know, you can, it's, it's real weird. But you can you make it so that you can call it uh, Echo, and so oh, I have been excellent. walking around my house uh, making Echo do all sorts of things, and you, I, I suppose you could make it search for BN Mobile when you get home tonight. Echo, search BN Mobile. Searching BN Mobile. Is it a male voice or a female voice? It's a female. I don't no know if you can what? set that. I haven't messed with that yet. Okay. Well, yeah. you can ask Echo to change. Can you change your voice? <laughs> yeah, I like it. Also, subscribe and leave feedback on this show, The Sour Hour, and not other BN shows like Brew Strong, Dr. Homebrew, Brewing with Style, and The Session. Review of the Week. Okay, let's see the Review of the Week here. It's from Chasen Chrome. The title is Best Brewer in My Garage. He says, love the show. (laughs) Jay and Scott, he spelled it with three T's, do a great job of getting the guests to break down their processes. Bevo, stay unprepared for the beginning of the show. The biggest mistake in making sour beer is listening to the session. Every time I listen to the session, I feel like I just lost those hours of my life, and I am never going to get them back. Damn, Bevo, what do you think about that? (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah. You're a funny girl, Bev. She's watching a movie. E.T.? You're watching E.T.? She's nodding yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good movie. Anyone who's watching on the brewingnetwork.com slash TV, don't tell the podcast listeners that Bebo's <laughs> not actually there. Every, I think I read that review, too. Is that just my stupid brain? I don't Can know. I, I thought they also sound I, the same. Yeah, I, don't <laughs> I don't know. I Maybe I read I it. That was funny. I, I laughed. Okay. Russian uh, troll factory is writing those. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I never talked to anyone from there. Uh, I want to thank one of our great sponsors right here off the top, the Wine and Hop Shop at wineandhop.com. It's where you're going to get your sour beer, wild yeast, and bacteria from Omega Yeast and Giga Yeast. Most items are going to ship within 24 hours. And best of all, being listeners in the continental U.S. get a flat $8 shipping rate on orders under 50 pounds. Just enter BN Shipping in the nose field of the shopping cart, and the discount will be taken off after checkout. The Wine and Hop Shop, wineandhop.com. We teased this out. Several weeks ago on our last episode, but uh, did we grab beer in the break or no? No, but I can go grab. I'm going to ask this question while you ask the, or I'm going to grab this question while you ask the beer. Okay. (laughs) I should go get the dark uh, saison. The dark saison. All right. I will be right back. And I'm asking Scott to ask that beer while I grab this question because, yeah, thank you. I'm killing it over here without you, Scott. See how well I do without you? Because you have a, uh, a new commercial yeast blend coming out with and this is all fresh because it's been several weeks since the last time you said this Mm -hmm. with bootleg biology yeah so i've i've known jeff mello from bootleg biology for a long time he used to live in arlington virginia that's where he actually captured that first saccharomyces arlington burgensis or whatever nailed it wherever wherever it's called and a few years ago he served and said hey you know you have a homebrewing blog. People like you, they probably want some yeast or something that you have in your basement. Mm-hmm. Um, but I didn't really have anything that I felt was both mine that I really liked and also any good. Um, I had a couple of Solera barrels. I had a, a couple of wild ferments I'd done from my backyard, but none of them were really terrific. And the beers I really liked were, yeah, well, I got this culture from East Coast yeast, and it doesn't really make much sense for me to give that to you after one generation, then have you pull out the same things that were in there. Mm-hmm. So for the last 
two and a half years now, I've been repitching and harvesting and repitching and harvesting the same Saison Brett Lacto blend. Um, it started out as some Saison yeast. It actually started out with some of the uh, Brett Trois b- before it was Sac Trois. Mm-hmm. Some uh, Cantillon Brett Isolate from uh, Jason Rodriguez, uh, who did some fun stuff from, I think it was from uh, Cantillon Blobbeer. Some Lacto. But honestly, after however many trips through my sour gear, which is my old clean gear that's scratched up and weird and whatever, which of those microbes have made it through? Which of those microbes have uh, hybridized with other microbes or have dropped out? Who knows? It's a really fun blend, though. So uh, the beer we're going to try is brewed with my actual house culture, not the bootleg biology version. This one comes from mm. a, a series of beers my friend Alex Howe and I, and I have been brewing for the last eight or nine years now. Every fall, we brew a dark saison. And it's totally different every year. It's just the same basic idea of it's dark, it's a saison. Usually, it has some sort of fruit in it. We've done. Uh, it actually started as a, a Lost Abbey, Ten Commandments, uh, Rosemary, Raisin, Orange Peel. Um, but since then, we've done uh, black cardamom and dates and figs and anise and buckwheat honey and currants and all manner of other things. So this one is uh, pomegranate molasses, which is just pomegranate juice that's been cooked down. It gives a nice little tart flavor and date syrup. Um, so sort of dark fruits. The idea being that they're not going to give you a prominent flavor. You know, it's not like a cherry beer where cherry is one of the big flavors. Um, they're sort of mixing with those malts that are behind behind the scenes. In this case, I think the Saison culture gives it a nice little earthy kick, but it's not a big, funky farmyard, barnyard sort of thing. What, what do you think? Yeah, I think it's great. I've always wondered about Saisons with sort of more dark malts, whether it's, you know, kind of red or dark. And I like how well integrated this is. I think your your point about not being too funky or barnyard or anything like that is right on. It's also not like too fruity, which I think could also be a conflict, weirdly. I think, you know, fruit kind of goes with almost anything, but it's slightly fruity, but I can, like we were talking about off the air, get the nuances of the the molasses, the dates, and the dark malt all kind of together. The smell of this beer really intrigues me. I like it a lot. I think it is awesome and kind of makes the whole package come together very well. But yeah, I just, I'm surprised actually at how well integrated this is because in my mind, Dark Saison is not a, I mean, you just said you brew it every year, but yeah. I, it's not a style that I think about those two going together, but you've well, brewed it so many times. How? What's your advice for people who want to make a, a Dark Saison? Honestly, they're, they're not really. I mean, it's Saison in the American sense of the word. It is... It has Saison yeast in it at some point, but most of them end up being aged for so long and with all the flavors. They, it turns into a dry, dark, sour beer of some sort. Mm-hmm. And it's it's in that nebulous range where it's Saison generally, but not um, like Saison DuPont dark or anything sure. like that. In general, I, I think the key with these beers is subtlety. To be a Saison, I think you can't overwhelm the flavor with a spice or a fruit or anything like that. Those all need to be layers of flavor rather than big, bold, neon letters um, flashing. I think with the dark end of things, we've tried a bunch of different things, and we've had some that have been as pale as, say, like a, like a deep red, and then some that are real, like pitch black. 
But in general, we tend to do um, dehusk malts. This was actually non-dehusked Carafa 2, which is one of the first times we've used a bitter, not debittered uh, malt. But it was a low enough amount, about 5%, that, um, I mean, I think it works out pretty well. We've done uh, cold extracts, so steeping the dark malts, some roasted barley, something like that, in cold water, straining that, and then adding that at the end of the boil, trying to just get, like you would for cold-brewed coffee, just the very bright, light flavors. I think that's a really fun technique, too, if you you know want to do, hey, you've got a Flemish red that you think might need a little roast, hey, do that extract, toss it in, give it a month to ferment out if there's any sugar in there, and then go from there. I mean, really, you can... Um, use a lot of these tools in different ways if, if you want to get creative. I've, I've done that to clean porters to turn them into stouts after aging. They've lost all of that fresh graininess. Make a cold extract, dose it into the keg, go from there. For dark saisons, though, it's, you know, part of the fun of it for us is that idea that you can have a, a seasonal beer every year that isn't just dusting off the same recipe and rebrewing it. It's taking the same idea, the same flavor palette, and then sometimes it's 4.5% alcohol, sometimes it's 9.5% alcohol. Sometimes you're getting some weird different note and, and you know, different dregs. We, we often will take, before this year, we'd often take, um, drink a couple of uh, the previous years or year before, year before that's whatever we like best, swirl those dregs up and toss them into this year. So it has a little Solera-ish kind of leaning to it, but not in the you know traditional sense of, being a portion of that beer, but um, having some of those microbes carried forward. And so when you have been kind of navigating using this, the Saison mix that you're yeah. reusing, are you attempting to maintain it in any way or directing it at all? Or is it just I'm kind awful. of keeping it healthy kind of thing? Oh, yeah, keeping it healthy. I've, 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 I've forgotten to harvest it from primary. I've taken it out of kick kegs. I have left it in my fridge for two or three months. You know, if it sits too long, I'll, I'll make a starter and get it going. But I, in ways, I feel like that that is unintentionally or not favoring different microbes, that mm-hmm. the microbes that are going to you know survive into the keg are probably going to be the less flocculent, more attenuative. This culture has really gotten very aggressive. It will dry out a beer in a couple of weeks to you know a half a degree Play-Doh, something like that. So wow. it is very quick, very um, strong. And that's something I really want in a Saison culture. I think a Saison should be dry. It should be... Um, something you don't have to wait around for. And and that's one reason I'm a big fan of using this in hoppy saisons. So if you want a saison that has a little of that citra or mosaic or uh, Nelson or whatever, but you don't want to, hey, I'm going to brew this and I'm going to add all these great late aroma hops, and then I'm going to sit and have to wait through a fermentation that's going to struggle for three or four weeks to finish out, and then I want to give it some Brett character and as we were talking about hoppy sours in, in the previous episode, that's a recipe for an old, gross IPA-flavored sour beer. And the great thing about this culture is it, it ferments out quickly, and then within a couple of weeks, it'll get a nice little funkiness to it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it never gets super funky, and so you can ball condition it or keg condition it, and that's a, a, I'm a big fan of doing that for hoppy sour beers. I feel like under pressure, you get a little bit more of that Brett character coming out a little faster. I've... I don't know if maybe you have. I, I've only listened to 26 of the 52 episodes. How dare you? Just I'm kind awful. Of, <laughs> what was that? I'm I was awful. Kind of, he's, a, he's awful. He, he said you? he only listened to 26 episodes. Just I'm kind awful. Of, man, you cut that quick. Yeah, that, was, that, was, that was impressive. <laughs> yeah. he, he's he's getting to savant level of... Uh, Delirium. Yeah, um, exactly. <laughs> if you've come on any information on why 
fermentation under pressure for Brett seems to bring out m- more Brett character quicker than open fermentation or or have you noticed that? I've noticed it from previous experience, like when we were at the brewery. You know, I th- certainly think bottle conditioning with Brett seems to be the biggest driver of Brettanomyces character in beer. But at the same time, I'm not totally sold on that being either the only way or anything. Because we certainly have, we have Brett character in our barrels right now, although we struggled for a long time to get there. I've been su- surprised at how much hops and hopping rate influences it and just influences sour beer overall i think a couple of catalysts for us changing our approach on that and really when i say our i mean mine because i was hop averse for a long time trying to uh, encourage the bacteria um, to make sure that our beer did sour but our staff really pushed me to investigate higher hopping rates or use of more hops and then also uh, our good friend uh, dr lambic on sour beer blog Read a great article on um, esters in sour beer, and he looked into a lot of um, articles that sort of addressed a lot of different ways that kind of esters are created, and hops seem to play a prominent role. After reading that article, more more than I thought, I kind of just, you know, viewed them as simpletons, and, you know, this is going to, you know, dial up and dial down the acidity and... For the most part, maybe they don't have as much of a place. But the more I kind of suss out, hey, these beers have hop more hops and these don't. These beers have aged hops and these don't. I find more of that relating to the classic Brett aromatics that I think about. And then I think about the beers that we were making at the brewery that we were bottle conditioning. And those had, you know, a, a good hop profile to them. Not crazy hoppy, but... More than one IBU. More than one. More than one. Multiple IBUs. <laughs> you could use the plural. And then you think of a beer like Orval. That's a hoppy beer when it's young. You know, it's bottle conditioned with Brett. And even when it's young in the bottle, the Brett isn't as expressive as it is when it's... Sh- I, this is the ultimate humble brag, but I was I was in Belgium and I had some Orval out of the bottle. And I was surprised because it was just kind of a Belgian bitter almost. Mm. What, yeah. do you, what do you consider young for that beer? It, it wasn't more just like age. I think most well, part of it was, but and I have no idea how how old it was exactly. But I just assume it gets um, consumed faster over there. Oh, but I'm sure it makes you know the journey across, right? And then sits on a shelf for a while here, exactly. And so I just think most of the time I've had it in the United States, it tastes a certain way, which is because it's a not more carb, yeah. very prominent Brett character. Hops don't really factor into it at all. Mm-hmm. And then I had it there, and I was like, well, this is a totally different beer. Interesting. Um, so I guess, you know, at this point, I'm I'm still unsure about, you know, tracing back the hop interaction, Brett under pressure, and those all being factors. But, I mean, I've got a lot of brewer friends who make very Brett-forward beers, and I'll ask them, you know, how did, how did you get so much Brett character in this? I just added Brett, you know, <laughs> and it's like, there's some, I guess we're at the rare bar, we're going through it like very meticulously, but it's almost like, I don't, I don't know if we're going too slow to get there kind of thing. So, um, I'd say there's a lot going on there that we haven't gotten to yet, but I, I think, uh, we are starting to drive 
the beginnings of Brett character in our beer. And I'm, that's something I'm, I'm really excited about. And just like we were talking when we were at the Rare Barrel, Mike, is that, you know, then we can start. And we have these Brett bottle conditioning experiments. And what I'm really excited about is then matching, okay, Brett C in a bottle conditioning environment makes this flavor. What does that flavor match when it comes to secondary ingredients? You know, does that go well with reds and dark uh malt bills or does it go well with berry beers or stone fruit beers or tropical fruit beers you know and then just going through the all the different ways we can bottle condition with different mixed strains and stuff like that so i think the possibilities are certainly limitless on that that aspect but i haven't come to an answer where i can just say oh yeah this is definitely the way to do it because i honestly haven't really had that much experience consistently executing that flavor yet i'd say but i mean you've done plenty of homebrew you know bottle conditioning experiments and uh fermentation experiments what would have been your best results in driving you know your favorite bread aromatics yeah no i mean it it seems like that conditioning under pressure natural fermentation really um drives it but like what the reason is behind that i don't know i mean there's plenty of theories <laughs> whether it's the pressure stressing the bread whether it's the pressure is is holding in aromatics that might otherwise escape whether there's some interaction with the carbonic acid that you know it's at a certain point you just have to shrug and say it's what works for me and so i'll keep doing it even if i don't have a peer-reviewed study to <laughs> say why it's happening what the you know bio biochemical mechanism is yeah we may be in the needles pointing more one way or the other maybe more towards the art side yeah. of it than the science at this point for for this part of sour beer but you know, we're getting there. And then there's the, you know, you don't want to totally demystify everything. I don't think we're ever going to do it in sour beer, but hey, that's what we're here for. There was a uh, Brewing Network shirt from a few years ago, Jay. I don't know if you remember it or, or Mike. Uh, it was a, you know, the illustrated anatomy of a pig. You ever seen those? It's like the dashed, it's like the cutout of the pig and it shows yeah. the different parts of the meat of the pig. This was a uh, carboy on its side mm. and it had the different parts of the carboy and it had yeast and malt and grains and it was illustrated in anatomy of homebrew. And part of the carboy was magic. And there's just a little it's bit a of magic. Yeah. yeah. The fifth ingredient of the Red Heights <laughs> Right. How are we on time? We need to take a break. But I have to this beer is, uh, boy, this is mm. just a terrific, terrific beer. Yeah. Man, you know, I don't, like you said, Jay, you don't see a lot of dark saisons at all, really. And it's kind of uh, counterintuitive. These things don't go together. But this is just ridiculously well done. Man, it's like a cherry vanilla character. and a graham cracker. Yeah. With I, some I caramel. think we had some, some port-soaked oak in there, if I'm remembering mm, correctly. That makes sense. Mm. Totally. Nice. And, yeah, so I definitely get that. And the, it's, the balance is just perfect. Perfect. It's got like a little tiny bit of acidity and just a little tartness, and but it's clearly like a saison. I love it. It's awesome. Yeah. When, when this is coming out through bootleg biology, by the time you're hearing this episode, yeah, well, it's it's actually yeah m Monday, so like three three days from when we're recording this or whatever. Assuming it, it does well, it he does sort of occasional pre-release kind of orders for things, and it should come out again. I would imagine monthly or semi-annually or tri-annually or something it's gonna be just 
Matt fermentationist saison blend. It's something. I forget exactly. Yeah, it's pretty much it. Awesome. This is great. Yeah, thanks for bringing us a bottle, man. This is just really fantastic. Excellent. Yeah, awesome. That's great. We've got right. more uh, more beer to get to, more questions to answer. I'm going to we'll, chug the rest of the bottle during the break. You got it. <laughs> we'll be right back on the Sour Hour. Marin Brewing Company in Northern California has been making award-winning beers for more than 25 freaking years. Today, I want to tell you about their new 12-ounce cans of Mount Tam Pale Ale. The good stuff, Mount Tam is bright gold. 5.5% ABV to keep you feeling good and has been winning awards since 1989. If you're visiting the Bay Area, get your butt out to Marin Brewing Company. They pour tasty beers and serve great food every day until midnight. Come in for a tour, stay for the food, and pick up a six-pack of cans of Mount Tam Pale Ale to enjoy at home, camping, biking, or whatever the hell you do. Owner Brandon Moylan has this to say about Marin Brewing beers. It's freaking awesome. Marin Brewing has won more than 100 gold medals in international competitions. Check out MarinBrewing.com for all their award-winning beers, food, and merch. Marin Brewing Company in Larkspur, California. Award-winning taste, refreshing finish. It's freaking awesome. Hey, this is Jeremy from Brewery to Roo. You're listening to the Sour Hour on the Brewing Network. the point where I, I do the point because I'm just like, you know, I hit the button and I'm watching you watch me hit the button and you don't even need me to point at you anymore. Yeah. I also like to know if you're on the mic too, so I know uh, how much to talk. Gotcha. Because if you light your light too, then mm-hmm. it's like, all right, Scott okay. has something to say. I better shut up. <laughs> all right. He's back. <laughs> <laughs> I turned my light off waiting for a gem from Jane. He just stared at me. All Speaking right. of gems... Have you seen the fruit lineup at Oregon Fruit Products? Yeah. Fruitforbrewing.com? Not only have I seen it, I've tasted through it, and it's Full tremendous. Gems. Now with gooseberries. What the hell are those? The gooseberries taste like gooseberries. <laughs> the aseptic puree is easy to use and convenient to store. No additives or artificial flavors. It's simply great expression of the raw fruit. They love working with brewers to help us innovate. Check them out. Fruitforbrewing.com. Oregon Fruit. They bring fruit to, to life. life. American sour beers. Mad fermentation is we didn't we haven't bootleg biology yeah what I don't uh, authors call it isn't it called mailbox money would the residuals roll in oh that's it yeah, okay it's, royalties it's, sounds so noble I thought the slang was mailbox the money it yeah. might be I don't know a lot of other writers but I don't like hang out like a writer's cafe or something like you guys that. all don't hang out together you don't because uh, Doctor Lambic from uh, Sour Beer Blog said the last time you guys hung out together you threatened him I did yeah he, well he deserved it. <laughs> It's a competing blog. I mean, listen, competition is competition. I need I need those mad fermentationist checks. That's how I pay my bills. <laughs> other other than my day job. Right. Speaking of paying the bills, <laughs> yeah. I dip. It's commercial or it's a home or commercial use water testing kit, which incorporates a revolutionary photometer. I'll switch it up. I switch. You switch. I switch. It's the first and only. (laughs) (laughs) It's the 
first and only on the market with its own app. The iDip can perform over 40 different water quality tests. Wrap it, Goodwin, would you please? Wrap it. No, thank you. No. For things like chloride, <laughs> calcium hardness, pH, sulfate, and much more. Podcast listeners should enter the code TBN10 at checkout and save $10. I thought that word near enough for a course. <laughs> on either the standard or advanced smart brew kit. Now i got to stretch it out a little bit. Testing kit. Order now and make this futuristic technology part of your brewing process. Mine? Visit www.smartbrewkit.com. One more time, that's www.smartbrewkit.com. Yes, you nailed it. I did. I did. Okay. All right, so we have another beer open. Yeah, we do. <laughs> We've been challenged to source these dregs. Mike, during the break, mentioned to yeah. us that, uh, well, why don't you say, what, what is this beer? Yeah, so this is a, just sort of a basic pale sour base, 80% pale, ten per, or 20% wheat, something like that. Uh, my friend Matt and I brewed it a year, year and a half ago. And normally I'm the sort of person who pitches a primary yeast and then maybe some dregs along with her, some dregs after, maybe a blend in there. But uh, for this one... Initially, the plan was I, I was over at Matt's house. We were opening a whole bunch of great bottles from DeGard and, and a whole and bunch of else? other places. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I, I had my little can starter wort, and I, I said, hey, want to brew with you? Pick out whatever whatever bottles you want. We'll make a little culture and get it going. And it, it turned into malt vinegar. It was real terrible, and mm-hmm. so we threw that culture out. Um, but luckily, I had another culture going. A, a friend of mine had brought a bunch of bottles from a particular brewery over, and we had had them, enjoyed them, picked out my favorite two or three, grew those up, made a nice little uh, starter culture over a generation or two, and uh, that was ready to go. And so we ended up pitching that instead. Well, first um, off, I should say I love this beer. Oh, it's so good. I, I was really happy with the way this one turned out. Um, the other half of this beer got Black Man Sour. Uh, he's a, a, a guy who does uh, dried cultures in Texas. And that was – we actually considered blending this, which is a little it's, – it's acidic but not real sour. That one got real sour. Mm-hmm. Um, and we tried blending them together, and that was one of those where somehow the blend – it did. It made this one more sour. But that one didn't have sort of the the citrusy aromatics this one has, so it diluted those, and then it just it made both of them worse rather than both of them better. And so we decided just to leave them as two separate beers, um, one that's more sour and one that's less sour, and that's the fun of being a home brewer. Yeah, that's great. And as I said before, I love this beer. It tastes a lot like the best beers we have in our barrel cellar at the Rare Barrel. Unblended stuff? I almost like feel like this deserves better than that. As praise, but it's like just like the. I'm blushing. <laughs> the there's there's a lot of aspects I can recognize of our beers in here, and uh, we challenge ourselves to try and guess the commercial brewery. So I'm should be right. Well, it would have been funny if it was all rare barrel. We should. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I well, figured it was roll barrel. <laughs> That's funny. Now that you say that, you know, because I I did join in on the uh, search for the rare barrel last year, and we had, you know we had a flight of the unblended golden sours mm-hmm. from various barrels, of course. And this does this is very reminiscent of that. That's what you're saying, right? Like unblended rare barrel golden sour, except better. Yeah. But, but, right, right, right. But it's just like the, what I when I go to sleep and dream about the beer I'm making, <laughs> it's it tastes like this. So you're, I'm going to give you this, Scott, and you're going to take a take a pencil. Okay. I haven't written anything yet, 
Scott is writing. <laughs> Must listen to podcasting. <laughs> I really haven't. This is bad for podcasts. I haven't decided yet. <laughs> Yeah, I got mine. Jay? No, no, I'm done. No, it has to, st- it has to, it has to stop at the end. Are, are we, are we doing this like oh. ge- geoguesser style? That like whoever's geographically closer gets the win. <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah. Or, or are we? Do you yeah. want, do you That's want a hint afterwards? Ooh. How many? How much are you waging? Did you put that down? How many dollars? <laughs> yep. Of your current, your current total. <laughs> yeah. Okay. okay. We're ready. Yeah. All right. All right. Scott, the returning champion, will show first. I'm showing Mike. He can't read it. <laughs> My writing might be a little messy. Great podcasting. No. No. Jolly, Jolly Pumpkin was the guest. Well, but I, oh, I, I had written guess. another guess and crossed it out. Russian River was also written also incorrect. Yeah, shit. Okay. I wagered zero dollars on this. God damn it all. Not so I'm not, not that... Lot, not a lot of confidence. Not a lot writing on this, but not really by taste, because I'm not that familiar, but... Oh, you're, you're going on, like, outside... If you get this right, I'm going to throw this pen at you. Yeah, hundred hundred no, dollars. That is correct. You serious? Hill, Hill Farmstead. Get the fuck <laughs> out of here. I know. I know. Sean doesn't like this sort of thing, so it's not really Hill Farmstead. Made we'll that edit up. this all out. Wow, <laughs> you got that right. How did? Well, okay, I told how did you, you. Yeah, it was not by flavor because I hadn't. Not by You know, flavor. I've had their beers and they're all terrific every time I have them. Yeah. But no, I can't pick out their house culture and and something. I just really like that beer. But just by, like, how much people love their beer and uh, all the extenuating circumstances. A good I, guess. I You're guess, just a good yes. guesser. Yeah. Ga- okay. Gamed it. Wow. Ga- game it was, theory. Uh, yeah, a bunch of balls of Hill Farm Sedana, their uh, honey saison. Nice. It's very good. Yeah. yeah that's awesome. No, I, I really like it. It's, again, it's it's what I like in a sour beer. It's, it's to me, this hits that right level of sour, but without being super acidic. Mm-hmm. Brett character, citrusy, a little hay kind of funk, but without being animal stall you know real aggressive assertive difficult to drink this is to me what the best sour beers are is you could drink a big mug of it cold while watching a football game or whatever and not really think that much about enjoy a nice refreshing beer or you could put into a goblet and sit there and think about it as it warms for 45 minutes and and go through that journey with it um, or have a whole bunch of bottles and open one every three months and see how it changes. Yeah. And that's, to me, the best sour beer should be both of those. Yeah, things. versatile. Yeah, that's awesome. So what was the, we, now that we know the uh, the drag part of this, mm-hmm. but what was the, the brew day like? The the hot side and then the you know hopping is just kind of, sta- you said I pale got, I, golden I'll, sour, but. Give, give, give me two seconds. It, it was let's absolutely get, Let's keep that music, nothing. Scott. <laughs> Thinking Don't. music, please. Oh, secret recipe. Yeah, no. Well, I've, I've been, I've been trying to get better. People always would complain that when I would post, it'd be like, "Oh, here's this sour beer I'm working on," and then it would be like a year and a half or two years later that I'd finally have a tasting post. I, I have felt that way, to be honest. I've followed your blog for a long time, and no complaint. Although, let me continue my complaint. Oh, I just uh, got a text from uh, Doctor Lambic, and he said uh, you and him are through. Yeah. <laughs> he says I like to finish my posts. <laughs> no, I like it because it's like you know. Here's here's the the prequel and this is what yeah. I'm going for, but I think that does get people pretty excited about it. And then it's the inevitable thing that all sour beer brewers feel, which is like 
Is it done yet? Is it done yet? Yeah. Is it done yet? <laughs> well, and, and to me, it's just it's helpful to have all that stuff in one place. Mm-hmm. Um, to have one post where you can reflect both on why you did at the time and how it turned out and all that stuff. And so I've I've been trying to be better. And and honestly, the fact that I've had so much else going on uh, between you know writing and and whatever else, it's become easier not to you know be writing three articles a week. What makes it tougher is then. Yeah, like I, I haven't written this one up yet, so I have absolutely no idea what was in it. I can't check now because I don't have mobile beer smith or whatever it is I should have <laughs> in the cloud and all that. I'll tell you what you should have. Brew Guru. Oh, the Brew Guru from the AHA. <laughs> AHA, really killing it out there. Have you seen this? Have you heard about this? What Brew Guru can do for you? <laughs> Built for homebrewers and beer lovers. You can do it. <laughs> well, like, I was going like to think and be like, oh, yeah, actually, yes, I have. I like the music while I read. Brew Guru delivers sage brewing advice and money-saving deals at breweries, beer bars, and homebrew supply shops. The American Homebrewers Association designed this powerful mobile app to help homebrewers and craft beer... <laughs> craft beer lovers explore the wide world of beer we all share. With Brew Guru, you can effortlessly find deals and save money on beer, food, and brewing supplies. Level up your brew IQ with hand-picked articles, proven recipes, trusted resources from the American Homebrewers Association and Zymergy Magazine, and Scott... Use the powerful brewery locator to find nearby breweries, taprooms, beer bars, and homebrew supply shops and brew pubs. Wherever you are, Brew Guru will you to get a beer. Get the app today. Follow the Pap Beer Lineman free for iPhone and iPad Android devices. Learn that more at homebrewers associate art. Amazing. That was amazing. You, you, you Seriously, though, homebrewersassociation.org.org. Yeah. Brew org, Guru, yeah. what can brew Guru for you? Do for you. You clearly raised your brew IQ with Brew Guru to do such a great read. Yeah. And I did, too. <laughs> I don't know. But that's how you get the mobile the mobile recipes. Yeah. Get the Brew Guru. I, I'd like some more I beer. want some more beer. I want some more of this. Check this out. I don't off. want to share this with the staff. Uh, Mike's uh, stays on here. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't want to do it. No, no, Jay's getting more, too. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Let's do a question, but yeah, I, I hear what you're saying on that, where it's like, it's hard to do that before and after, but also keep all this information in one yeah. spot. Well, sure. And also, I mean, I feel like you want to write down and think about why you, you know, capture why you did something mm-hmm. close to Brew Day rather than a year and a half later when, you know, why did I do that? What was and, and so honestly, this one was, I normally mash like 158, 159, lots of dextrins, and this probably had, you know, 10 IBUs of Howard Tower or something like that gotcha. you know, early in the boil. Wasn't too exciting. Oh, you know what? This one did have, um, for a while there, I was throwing some flour in the mash. I think this one may have had like half a pound of just like King Arthur all-purpose wheat flour in mm-hmm. there, which can have head positive benefits. And hmm. Not for my sourdough bread. <laughs> <laughs> did you add it just for that reason? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, exactly. And um, it, it probably some more complex starches just because it's not uh, gelatinized. It's not as accessible to the... To the enzymes, and so there maybe are a little bit bigger carbohydrates making it through that the, um, particularly the pediococcus is going to thrive on. Can you use that in any sour to increase head? I mean, is there is there anything yeah. you would say don't use it in that one? No, yeah. and and actually, I, I just did a, a, my own my second lambicky extract beer, and I actually threw flour into the boil for that one, hmm. trying to sort of mimic the starch profile you get from a turbid mash, but just you know being real lazy about it. Was it effective? I it's been fermenting for four weeks now or something like that. So no no comment. That's one I'm really excited for. I did see that on the blog and something I've always I think I've mentioned on the show a few times just about the extract kind of flour lambic whole thing and it's like yeah, sounds like yeah. a 
it, through all the trouble we all go through on the hot side with this stuff, mm-hmm. I'd love to know just how, like with a, a strong culture, yeah. a strong fermentation, strong fundamentals on the back end, what you could do with like just almost nothing on the front end. So I'm excited for that. Yeah, no, I, I recently posted about the, the first one that just had maltodextrin. This is, I've brewed again, and this one had, uh, we were talking earlier, aged homegrown hops and mm-hmm. some other weird I, I can't just keep my beers to one weird thing. It's all. <laughs> it's good stuff, though. This one turned out well. Which of the four different things that I changed was the responsible for that? <laughs> That's how it goes in sour beer sometimes. Real scientist. I think yeah. the, the magic is what was yeah. responsible. Yeah. yeah, that part. All, all right. right. Yeah, here's a question from Ryan Schmidt. Brought to you by sourbeerblog.com. Yeah. Mortal enemy. Yeah, my, Mike, Mike just slid us a note that yeah. says it's a it's just a skull and crossbow. Have said that a hastily illustrated skull and crossbow. It's just over the top, Mike. I mean, Matt's a good guy. I mean, it's not a really creative blogging. It's sour, but it's just tell us what you <laughs> Get got out of here. Yeah, with your names. It'd be like naming your brewery the Rare Barrel. Burning down the house, or like if you if you were going to like do like podcasts about beer, just kind of like the brewing, the brewing down oh, podcast. Yeah, yeah, I know it's real clever. You know what's funny though? Nobody can get it right. People go out of their way to do everything but the Brewing Network. It's the Beer Network. It's the Brew Network. It's the Brewers Network. I swear to Christ, I have heard twelve dot net. Right? I, I'm telling you, no, you it's, it's fifteen wrongs for every one right. That's no, not an exaggeration. I, why would you talk like that to the mad fermentationalist? <laughs> the exactly. Mad fer- fermentist. You know what it's like. Do you get? Do people screw up the rare barrel, Jay? And in what clever ways do they screw it up? All the time. Yeah. How? I mean, with the rare, the rares barrel. I mean, like, tell me what they say. They do horrible things, like dropping the the. Just the. It's just rare barrel. Yeah. Oh. How dare they? Do you remember that in the Facebook movie? There's a dramatic scene oh, where yes, uh, Justin yes. Timberlake comes in playing Sean Parker. And he's having his first meeting with Mark Zuckerberg, as portrayed by Jesse Eisenberg. Portrayed well. Yep, very well. And uh, they have their first meeting, whirlwind. Yeah. He gets up to leave, turns around and says, by the way, shh, zoom in, drop the the, <laughs> leaves. That's and right. there's the fapes. Right. And it's like, no, don't, no. Dro- don't drop doesn't, the the. Doesn't work. The founder of Napster. Which comes yeah. up in every single one of your uh, your uh, podcasts here. That's apparently. right. <laughs> it's, it's highly relevant. Wait, wait, where was that started? Was that uh, anywhere you you've been? San Mateo, California, home of Jay Goodwin and second most handsome Tom Brady. <laughs> What's the question? Okay, from Ryan, who writes in, uh, "Hey guys, I use Napster all the time." And I, no. he says, <laughs> he's a, "Hey guys, uh, if different strains of Saccharomyces cerevisiae can have such drastic variations in fermentation characteristics." Characteristics like esters and phenols and essence, etc., such as a saison versus British yeast, or even yeast from the same region. Does the same go for a specific strain of Brett and Lacto? So basically, he says, does Brett? He says basically, does Brett Brooks or Lacto Brevis or other specific species have different strains within that species that impart various fermentation characteristics? It seems as if people think these strains as producing the same byproducts like Brett Brooks is exactly the same organism across the board, no matter where it's obtained, but I wouldn't think that's the case. Is there currently any research, you know, classifying variations of wild yeast and bacteria? Thanks. Love the show. Yeah, I I love this question, in case you couldn't tell. I think this is a part of brewing and fermentation science research that I'm really excited about because Ryan uh, pointed out that, you know, Saccharomyces cerevisiae has all these different derivatives and... You know, there's all these. I'm not good at uh, remembering all the different uh, genealogy phrases, so it's like uh, 
strain or genus or whatever it is. Basically, you, you've got like the Saccharomyces that's ale and Saccharomyces that's lager, right? So then within those, you have all these different derivatives. So Britannomyces is the same way. You have different types of Britannomyces subcategories, but then within those, we're beginning to see a lot of different breads marketed a lot faster than we can understand what the differences are actually in their how they're best used DNA kind yeah. of thing. Like, so, so they put them out as one thing, but that's not necessarily what they're going to be because well, they just don't know yet. Well, imagine if there's lager and ale strains, and then there was a subset of an ale strain, and people thought it was a whole new thing that wasn't lager or ale. I see. Since it's so few bread strains, I think people are confusing. Like, if we come out with a beer, uh, a bread called Britannomyces rebarolensis or something like that. That it's does like, sound oh, like that's a, a whole new. Actually. Thank you. Thank you. Mm-hmm. That's a whole new species, right? Mm-hmm. But really, it's Britannomyces anomala or something like that. Or, I, I, I'm not, again, I don't, I, even I don't remember. Like, there's basically like two. Yeah, Brexlensis and Anomala are the the sort of two real ones. Right. I think that's part of the confusion here is that like Lambicus and Clausenii were at some point actual classifications and those have been dropped. What about Brett Dre? Not a real thing. It's Brett Brux Var Dre. Right. No, but I I think part of the problem is that like Brett Brux used to always be like the Orval one. And that whether it was from White East or White Labs or whoever, if you were getting Brett Brux, that just meant like the Orval Dre. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, the, the Orval Brett. And yeah. so that, that sort of led people to kind of think, yeah, like all Brett Brux is this one strain. And then, well, there's Brett Lambicus. Well, that's this other one. Well, those turn out to be the same species. And but now, well, exactly, in, in the same in character. way. In, in character. the same way that Chico <laughs> and Saison DuPont are both Saccharomyces cerevisiae. But I think that's kind of the point, is that yeah. they've been maintained as, like, marketing terms more than biological terms. And that's getting – the cart's getting ahead of the horse there because I think there's not that much known about Britannomyces at this point, whereas the kind of ale lager two categories is somewhat clear, uh, if not quite clear. Britannomyces, there's a new one that will come out, and then it's like, oh, this is a whole new you know, type of bread. A new subcategory, but really no, it's just a mutation of uh, Brux or Anomala. But you know, uh, like uh, for example, Allagash, you know, they've isolated um, a house Brett culture and they named it Pretanomyces allagensis or something like mm-hmm, that. Mm-hmm. And I think that's great. But we don't call Saccharomyces cerevisiae subsets Saccharomyces dupontius or Saccharomyces. <laughs> yeah. Lagunitas, <laughs> whatever it's going to be. That would be kind of cool, though. It, it is kind of cool, yeah. and that's you, why the and, Allegensis and is you, you cool. Could, you could do Britannomyces Brexlens var whatever you yeah. want. You know, name name that that particular strain rather mm-hmm. than exactly suggest that. And that's a what Brett Dre actually is. If yeah. like if you buy that from a lab and it's fully written up, it's yeah. like Britannomyces Brexlensis var Dre. And the Dre is just, you know, kind of naming the source. Yeah. But it's Brett Brux. But it's much different than the Brett Brux you'll order from the same yeah. lab because one can primary ferment a beer and the other one, if you 
pitch it at the same rate into a primary fermentation, you're going to have to dump that beer because yeah. it's not suited for that. The reason we're talking about just Brettanomyces is that lactobacillus is a lot less interesting. <laughs> I mean, they, they, lact, mm. Lacto certainly has some variation in terms of hop tolerance and whether it'll make a little bit of alcohol and, and attenuate a little bit or you know, how, how low the pH will go, a few of those things. But very few – lacto really, to me, doesn't make a lot of interesting flavors. It's more of an mm-hmm. acid producer and, and not much else. One-trick pony. Yeah. yeah. So I think what I'm most excited about is how much of the innovation on this path can be done at home. Because if you think about, okay, I'm going to make a sour beer and I'm going to ferment it with Saccharomyces, then add Britannomyces. Then I'm going to sour it. Then I'm going to age it for a year. And then after it's aged for a year or even six months in, whatever it's going to be, you can look at your carboy, look at the beer under a micro. You didn't need the microscope, but you take a portion of the beer, you add fruit. Then there's a croissant at the top of your beer. Take the croissant off the top of your beer, and that's mostly... Maybe this is the wrong thing. Maybe not mostly. There's going to be a lot of bread active in that refermentation. You've just taken that croissant off the top of your sour beer refermentation without any lab skills, and then you start growing that culture up. You now have a pH-tolerant mixed culture with Britannomyces. So that bread has just survived a six-month sour beer life cycle, woke up for a fruit refermentation, and was ready to go. Hmm. And then you repitch that into something else. And then you take the top of that. And then you repitch that and take the top of that. It's exactly what you've been doing with your Saison stream, Mike, except just apply that to mixed cultures or Britannomyces only. Yeah. You know, you can get Brett Brooks from, you know, Wine and Hop Shop. Wineandhop.com. Wineandhop.com. And use that to bottle condition your sour beers. And then when you pop open your sour beer, you know, pour a little into a glass, pour a little into a flask, start to grow that up. It's like this viable cells will be in suspension. Then you do it again and again and again. And now you've got a pH tolerant bottle conditioning version Hmm. of Brett Brooks. And you can do this all on your own. And guess what? You just graduated to the big leagues because you're doing a lot more of this than a lot of other people. And you're a home brewer. Hmm. So... There's a lot of innovation to be done on this path again, and I think that's what I get pretty excited about when it comes to this stuff. Yeah, awesome. Great question, Ryan. Why are people so um, eager to—is it just because it's so novelty and new? Like, oh, it's a brand new thing, this new Brett, but it's it's not really. Why is it being labeled as such? I think people often don't know what it is. And so rather than, I mean, if, if you don't know if it's if it's Bruxellensis or Anomala or, or exactly, I mean, Algash wasn't even sure for a while if it was mm-hmm. bread at all, if it was just a wild Saccharomyces. And mm. so rather than if you don't know the full scientific thing, saying, well, it's Britannomyces and then it's our house Britannomyces being cute about it, I mean. Yeah, there's, there's than, no ill intent there. No. It was just. This is we're just going to label it like this, not step on anyone's toes, sure. and it's our house thing. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I, I mean, I don't definitely no ill intent. I think people are just excited that the, like yeah. this. Oh, it's a new thing, but it's it's really just like oh, it's a new sacrifice. No, nah, not re- it's just a different version of what already is out there. Yep. Yeah. There's no common nomenclature out there for it, and also 
genetic testing is is pretty expensive still. Genetic it's getting less expensive. and less expensive, but you know, still a, a thousand bucks or a couple thousand bucks. But I don't I don't think there's enough known about Bruxellensis versus Anomala to even say like, okay, so let's say people were innovating a lot with Cerviciae and what the Carl Carl Carlsensis, yeah. Carlsbergensis. I, you know, I, I, can, like I can never keep up if it's Uvarum or Pastorianus or Carl, Carlsbergensis. The logger strain. Or, yeah, the, the logger. The logger category. <laughs> okay. uh, the umbrella there. Let's say you know we go back in time and it's the seventies and. Hey man, Groovy. Any Coke? <laughs> Coca Cola. Okay, so it's the 70s. Hey, man, is that ale or lager yeast? I don't know. We're mixing and matching and hybriding, and it's like, oh, man, we're in San Francisco, and let's call it steam. This is not historically is this, accurate. Is this 1870? <laughs> <laughs> not historically accurate. That shit, I had the wrong century. Uh, but anyway, what I was getting at, you know, there, there's, you could start to cross over there, but then when push comes to shove, what's important? It's the fermentation characteristics. It's flavor. It's attenuation. It's a optimal uh, temperature. All this stuff. And right now, we're not in that area where lager is so different from ale. Anomala is not so different from Brux that we can all tell, like, oh, man, this is clearly fermented at too hot of a... <laughs> you thought this was Brux. <laughs> you messed this up. It's like, no. No one knows that stuff yet. Yeah. So... So I think that really contributes a lot to the naming them as a... It's very flat right now. There's not two camps. It's all kind of on the same spectrum. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, we're getting there. I don't I don't really think it's actually that important to distinguish between, oh, I'm going to name this strain, or I'm going to genetically test, to your point, Mike, this strain as Brux or Anomala. It's just like, this is Brett. That's what people know. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to name it this subset. And, I mean, until there's that much difference between the subsets, I don't really think there's any point in going into all of these are Brux, all of these are Anomala, and here's the different names for all of them. And really, Brett has a huge genetic range and diversity. Much larger. I say honestly because lager is sort of a human hybridized accidentally invention, and then really it doesn't have the huge breadth that a wild species has. Mm Mm-hmm. And that's, I think, to me, the interesting thing about bread is there's still all sorts of crazy species out there, intentional or not, living in somebody's barrels of wine or meat or sake or whatever out there to be found. Yep. Think of all the yeast that survive at basically room temperature. And then lager is something that, or not survive, thrive, thrive at room temperature. Mm-hmm. Then lager is something that survives at sub-room temperature. Thrives. Thrives. Thank you. You're welcome. What about a Brett that thrives at 110 degrees Fahrenheit? Could that exist? Sure. I don't yeah. see why not. And make great beer. Well, if it doesn't, why hasn't it been found or used? Because you're not looking hard enough. Hmm. Got to get the yeast capture kit from Bootleg Biology and get yeah. out there. Hmm. Yep. Yeah. In the Mojave. To me, it's, it's a lot like a lot of these new hop varieties. I mean, it takes people trying things in weird ways to figure out what, what works, what doesn't work, what combinations, what timing... And the same thing with these microbes. It's, yeah, it's what, what you know, trying all these things at really elevated temperatures, if that's something you're interested in and seeing which ones don't suck. Absolutely. 
Did we just spend 10 minutes on a question no that we were question. getting going to break on? Yeah, that was thanks to Ryan <laughs> and thanks to uh, Dr. Lambic for bringing us Ryan's question and all questions. All questions on the center. Are we going to go to the break? Yes, we is. All right, let's go up a little bit. And then we'll go down when I say. Ready? We'll be right back after this on the Sour Hour. Hey, my brewing brothers and sisters, this is Jamel Zanisha, and I love a bold, hoppy beer when it spits resin in your face and makes you cry, Uncle. There are a lot of great hoppy beers out there, but at Heretic, we want to make something as bold, dank, and resiny as possible. We use hops at every chance we get, including multiple dry hop additions. The result is Heretic Evil Cousin. This light golden, 8% Imperial IPA has an easy malt character that helps take the edge off the massive bittering, but it takes a back seat to the in-your-face hop character. We make sure this beer finishes dry so the hops can jump out and slam me in the taste buds. If you can't get enough hoppy goodness, Evil Cousin is your cup of tea. Cheers. still exist. Oh, I get the Wall Street Journal in print form every single day. Really? Yeah, I sure do. Wall Street Journal. I And I, I read it by the fire, I swear to God, by the fire, while listening to classical music and drinking coffee. I, I, I swear to God, I thought, I was gonna, I thought you were going to say, wearing my cardigan, sipping cognac. I, if I had a cardigan, I'd wear it. Looking through my spectacles. It's just morning, otherwise I would be drinking uh, cognac. With and I your do, pipe. I, your, have, your I pipe. smoke a pipe. I have pipe. I know. Actually, you know what? I got to give my girlfriend credit. It's tobacco. her pipe, but we do smoke a pipe with pipe tobacco. Legitimate, not joking around. No, no. Legitimately, legitimately tobacco. tobacco pipe, and it's delightful. It's so well. We won't get into tobacco, but I, I'm not a cigarette smoker. I never have been. I don't care for them. I love pipe tobacco as an occasional enjoyment, like once a week or something. It's great. God. Speaking of delightful, I want to give a shout out to our good friends at Nishimini Creek Brewing, ah. Philadelphia. Three-time Philly Beer Scene Magazine Brewer of the Year, 2014, 15, and 16. That's three consecutive years, Scott. Amazing. Two-time GABF Vienna Style Lager Medal winner, 13 and 16. Uh, Jeremy texted me and said, please do my read over 70s music. So, oh, yeah. you got it. Yeah. Uh, where did I leave I'm off? just kidding. He didn't. <laughs> <laughs> uh, big old tap room, 24 taps, 18 rotating, variety of beer styles, hoppy double IPAs. Those sessionable and poundable lagers, oak fermented saisons, and sour beers. They have free brewery tours on Saturdays. Go visit them. They have a new second location, probably right now as you're listening to this. Check it out. See see if they do. See if it's open. Chamneycreekbrewing.com. Yeah. What are we doing now? I know. We've got a pretty short segment. We went off. Yeah, yeah. The we, last sure one. we sure did. Um, I can talk more about my morning habits with my newspaper. No, thanks. Can, okay. can, can I do my, my somewhat big announcement? Yeah. Yeah. What? It's, it'll, it'll be. Oh, wait, oh, wait, wait, just so, uh, a drum roll He's going to get the wrong breaking news uh, drop. <laughs> no. <laughs> Thanks bum, a lot. Bum, ba, bum, no, I'm going to help him out with this. Ba, what is it? Uh, I, I am slowly, vaguely working towards opening a brewery. Yay! Yay! Yeah. 
my, my friend uh, Scott Janish, who also runs a homebrewing blog, who is also a 33-year-old beer nerd who lives in the D.C. area and also does vaguely he, – he does auditing stuff. I do labor statistics stuff. So, you know, like classic, you know, hard work and blue collar guys. Quit. Got you it. Know, yeah. Um, <laughs> are, are looking to do a rare barrel-esque, smaller-scale, lazier better, version. A little bit better. Um, where we're uh, probably – going to source work from a local brewery we're looking to get a little tiny system to do some uh hype hoppy beers uh my friend jacob mckean at uh, martin times recently said if you don't brew hoppy beers it's only because you hate money and uh so that that is something we took to heart and decided to print some money uh-huh. to support our sour beer uh habit sounds reasonable they can turn uh, around a lot faster, that's for sure. But, like, we, we have a name, but we're not, like, you know, announced it yet or anything. So just, like, you know, follow our blogs or whatever, Facebook or Twitter or whatever. We're not even on Instagram. I think that's what everyone's on now, right? All yep. the cool kids. So it's not the fermentalist brewing. No, it's, no. it's we have a different name. <laughs> the hard-to-find fermentation vessel? Yep. <laughs> the crazy fermentationist. That's good. No, that's how you should have thought, that's cool. great. So what's what's the timeline? When is your first beer coming out? Uh, a, a while. <laughs> Some sometime it may. Judging from when this show will be uh, airing, it will still be a long time after that. Yeah. <laughs> Sometime in 2019. Yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, luck, luckily, starting with this kind of model where we don't need a brew house and all that, it should be a little bit quicker. But probably sometime 2018 would be uh, the timeline somewhere in Maryland. Probably between Baltimore and DC, that sort of area is ripe for uh, something fun. There's uh, starting to be more and more breweries, but a lot of places are focused on things that were cool in California like ten years ago. So you know, a <laughs> place that does uh, ginger beans, marijuana, or whatever. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, so you, I mean, you've been thinking about beer on a professional and beyond level for a long years now. Why now? I've turned down a lot of brewing jobs. And uh, it's always been because it wasn't really what I wanted to do. Like 10 years ago, I turned down a job, you know, being a cellarman and cleaning kegs at a local brewery that has since gone out of business. I've turned down jobs at places that I didn't care for the owner. I've, I've turned down jobs. And sort of each time it gets to be a nicer job, I've turned down, you know, cellarman jobs. And I turned down assistant brewer jobs. And I turned down head brewing jobs. And doing something like this really gives me and. Scott, too, we're on the same page on most things, but, like, we can do whatever we want. And that, to me, is what is most exciting about beer, and it's what I love about homebrewing. It's not having to put something through a marketing team or and, – and, again, yeah. doing something on a small enough scale where we can really play to the advantages that small size has and taking risks and doing weird, fun, interesting things and not having to worry about sourcing 50,000 pounds of – cherries or whatever it is i mean we're we're at you know we're probably going to do something like 200 barrels of worth the first year so it's not a super tiny yeah, yeah. it's it's a small weird thing if it grows from there awesome uh, we're planning on keeping our day jobs and just having a little tasting room that's open a few days a week bottles to go maybe a club if we're forced into it maybe some online sales if we need to but uh otherwise you know keep keeping as much of the equity as we can having a weird space we've we've looked at a couple of Unusual locations, uh, and so we'll see how that goes. <laughs> it's That's awesome. It's awesome. I couldn't be more excited for you. You know, I think we've talked on air, off air, hugely influenced the sour beer movement, and I think there's going to be tons of people not only rooting for you, but who have 
had your beers and had your beer and writing influence their beer going forward. So I think you're going to have a lot of fans out there. And as someone who's been through this before, I'll just give you one piece of advice. Please. You could not make a bigger mistake than working with someone named Scott. Don't <laughs> do it. He's a good guy, I swear. <laughs> yeah, see, Mike and his Scott are on the same page about lots yeah. of things. We could take a, a – you, you, we, you could take a lesson from them, Jay. <laughs> what are you talking about? We finish each other's sandwiches. sandwiches. Look at that. Pretty good. Look at that. Pretty good. I feel like we just turned a corner right now. <laughs> No, but really, that's that's awesome. Super exciting. That's yeah. really cool. It's, it, you know, you don't really hear about uh, too many people sort of doing the, the in-between. I mean, it does happen, but oh, we're going to keep it sort of small. Yes, we're doing it professionally, but it's kind of still a side-ish gig, and I'm not putting all my eggs into that basket, probably just because it's too hard, I guess, if you're really going to you know be pulling permits and going down that road. I guess you kind of have to go all in. But I like the sort of thing where I still want to keep it hobby-ish. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, it's honestly it's how I've done my entire brewing career up until now. I mean, it's it's nice to have a day job and to have that security and not have to deal with, boy, I'm quitting my well-paying job. Right. And um, and so I've, you know, I did the blog. That was easy. Then it turns into a book. Then it turns into speaking. And now I'm running out of vacation days to uh, to do all these things. Uh, and, Dr. Lambic just asked me and said, uh, a, a blog is not easy and you're a jerk. <laughs> He runs his in like a professional way where they they have like regular postings and they have, I just write about where the hell I feel like whenever I feel like writing about it. Oh, more authentic at the mad fermentationist. Mm. Artisanal blogging yeah. <laughs> for the discerning blog reader. That's awesome. I yeah. can't wait to see what comes out next for you guys. And that's this that's may be great. the only the only thing you ever hear about it. It, <laughs> may, it may fizzle out. Man, remember that announcement? It was so great. I doubt that. Hey, wait, can I can we say? This what? is BN breaking news. Oh, yes it is. Wait, did we get an exclusive? Have you told anybody before this? No, this this is this is the exclusive uh, what? breaking news. Yeah, look at wow. that. Wow. I mean, I, I've told lots of other people, but not, not, not <laughs> an official, like, you know, the, the, the blog has not gotten this uh, yet. Okay, gotcha. Hey, oh, hey, I'll take we it. We scooped his own blog. <laughs> I did? Yeah, we did. Wow. <laughs> well, finally, the BN so has So can someone... you wait till April? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it's filtering out now, the, the dozens of people listening. You guys will have to do a, uh, you'll have to do a, a BN. Seriously, I'm, and I'm, I'm seriously, you guys. Mm-hmm. In order to break this story, since this podcast is so far in the future, <laughs> you guys need to do, like, we'll take a picture after this, right? Like, yeah. Like we usually do when we have in-studio guests. Yes. And we'll do a, you can do a post based off of that, like. Oh, yes. Okay. Good call. That's, let's do this. I mean, we don't have a brewery name yet or anything like that, but big news on, you know, right. the. Episode will be coming out later, but here's what just happened, and here's yeah. what is happening. Yeah, yeah. good, good. That's cool, cool with you, Mike. Yeah, yeah. Is awesome. that all right? Yeah, sweet. That's I love what, it because that, that's how you act, like, or else yeah. we're, we're screwed. Yeah, well, well, <laughs> yes, you're right. Yes, we're which screwed. that's that's the position I'm used to being in, so it feels weird to not be. But yeah. I think you're right. I'm going to try to not be. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> try not to be screwed. Yeah. Well, that's very exciting news. Happy to be breaking yeah. the news. Congratulations, Ben. Yeah. On this hour, hour, and yeah. I mean, you know, we'll be here to help and be here for uh, when you guys are opening it up. And whatever ready to promotion you need. Yeah. And, yeah. <laughs> as soon as that cash starts rolling exactly. in, get your that, hands out. The IPA cash. <laughs> <laughs> All, right. All right. So, uh, Scott. Yes, sir. Have we done any beer information in this segment? 
Just do uh, some questions or something. Really? Yeah. <sighs> one question. All right, one question. My, well, actually, did I ask? All right, here's a question. I have a question. Yeah. Did I ask you on the first show what the biggest mistake in sour beer making no, is? No, you did not. There you go. You that's not. the one question. Because maybe that started in, like, whatever, show four or something. <laughs> so, Mike. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what's the biggest mistake in sour beer making? I mean, you can't start talking until the no, music is over, actually. Is it is still going? Uh, well, the video is titled "An Hourty An Hour of Jeopardy Thing Music." So uh, just just to, oh, I, this is good. I should think about it rather dun, than dun dun right there. Okay, now hold on. Can I have some time to think about this? Our returning champion. <laughs> um, no, I mean I, I think and I'm sure dozens of people have said this already, but but too much oxygen. I mean that that is the biggest single mistake that I taste in sour beers is that acetic nail polish ethyl acetate flavor um that's for me so quickly can ruin a beer it's a mistake that is so easy to make particularly as a home brewer where an airlock can run dry if you've got a, a temperature drop and it sucks that airlock liquid in and really can just ruin a beer so completely to the point that blending is you know it, it, without a 10 to 1 ratio and even then might be too risky i think the other big one is is it's not really a mistake but just not trying to get enough beers going to do that one batch of sour beer and then just waiting on it you know pull off a gallon of of various batches do some split batches really get a bunch of things going with different microbes different um alcohol levels and then that builds some options i mean to me blending isn't a a one-day activity it's something that you build up to by brewing a whole bunch of different beers with different characters that give you that palette to blend from Great answer. Sorry, yeah. I moved my mic out of the way. Well, you had to make room to bow down. I did. As he was giving such an eloquent Unintentional gasps. And yeah, I don't think, uh, you know, I think people bring up some of the underlying points you talked about, but oxygen as the catalyst, yeah, you know, exactly. I think that you, you, you keyed on it. Yeah. And being willing. And then, you you know, you prescribed a something to do to not, not necessarily like avoid oxygen per like per se, but to spread out the like the risk in your portfolio you know yeah. you can compare it to you know stocks or something like that you know you have some some high risk ones here's some experimental beer you have a big swath of medium it's like this is how most people make sour beer mm-hmm. and then here's the safe part it's like oh this is my kettle sour and i'm gonna yeah. put it into a barrel with brett kind of thing so i think that's excellent advice so every now and then one of those high risk stocks pays off big time yeah you gotta scratch a few lot of cards every once in a while exactly all right. Awesome. Well, yeah. thanks to Mike. It's been a blast. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> We're going deep into the night. <laughs> Everyone here but me has been up since the crack of dawn. So sometimes some East Coast crack of dawn. Some, well, you were up then, too. I know, so. but Mike was sitting in, on, a, on a Southwest flight. And you I was, were awake then, too. I was sanding metal with a right angle grinder. <laughs> it's not a competition, but it will be. Sarah Beer <laughs> Blog versus Matter Fermentation is soon. Competition. Throw down. Thanks to everyone. Thanks to listeners. Thanks to the sponsors. Until next time. Stay sour.